You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hawkeye Nation, what is up? It's Andrew Wade, host of the Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. And we are back for a Friday morning episode, and we have a lot of stuff to cover. We got a game versus Penn State taking place tomorrow. We also have a basketball schedule. Finally, it only took what seemed like a freaking year to get. We finally got a schedule. And then we also had the opportunity to listen to a few of the coordinators, uh, Phil Parker, Brian Ferentz, and LeVar Woods, all talk to the media Yesterday, we had a chance to you know listen to them, and we're going to break down some of the stuff that we heard from them as well. Before we get into all of that, though, please make sure to give us that five-star review. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe wherever you downloaded this podcast. It is a daily podcast. We had a crossover episode yesterday with Kevin McGuire of Locked On Nittany Lions. thought that was a fantastic opportunity to see just how Penn State is expected to play in this game, get a little bit of these you know, behind enemy lines type of content that I think you all love and appreciate. I know I do. And then also make sure to come back to us on Sunday. We're going to have our Monday morning recap of Matt dropping likely Sunday afternoon because we have a very busy week next week as well. I'll get into it, but we do have some pretty cool stuff coming up to cover the basketball season, but that will all be coming up um, here in just a few short seconds. First, though, let's hop into the conversation with the coordinators yesterday, uh, talk a little bit about the quotes they gave us and what to think about those. On segment number two, we're going to get into that basketball schedule, and we're going to finish off the show with segment number three, covering tomorrow's game. So, Obviously, like I said, they talked to all the coordinators. I really felt like the the most informative was probably Brian Ferentz. Um, LeVar Woods got asked just basically 17 questions about Torrey Taylor, which is understandable. Obviously, a very big pickup for the Hawks, and he has done phenomenal this year and punting the ball really changed the way our special teams has played. But I did think there were really two things I thought were pretty funny to talk about. One was funny. One was um, just a pretty good quote in general. But in talking about Terry Roberts, he was actually the guy who won our special teams player of the week last week, our special teams game ball. He has been an unsung hero. Matt Vandenberg has talked a lot about him as well. Um, But here's what LeVar Woods had to say about him. He said, just a little bit about Terry. I think everyone has seen he's incredibly fast. He does have a desire to compete, and I think on game days you certainly see that. I know he's certainly a welcome friend for Torrey. Been punting the ball because Torrey has been excited to have him down there. And I also think for Caleb and kicking off and seeing some of the coverage things he's been able to do in kickoff coverage, it's been fun watching Terry not only mature as a player, but also as a person. I think another guy, the sky's the limit for him if he really sticks to it and keeps working hard. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we talk a lot about Torrey Taylor, but let's not forget about Terry Roberts. They go hand in hand. Um, they're working very well and sync together. You might punt the ball 70 yards, but if you don't have a gunner down there to stop the guy, it doesn't really matter. And that job is one of the hardest um, in football, in my personal opinion, trying to time the hit, um, trying to get down there as quickly as possible. All those things are uh, very important, and Terry Roberts does a fantastic job. It might not show up in the stat box or the box score, for example, but it is going to show up in the film. Also, I thought this was a hilarious quote. They asked him about the fakes and specifically if it was going to, you know, that one fake field goal attempt was going to work against Michigan State. And LeVar Woods had a pretty funny thing to say about fakes. He said, they all work. They all work or I wouldn't call them. And he laughed. Um, that is important to know, though. I mean, and he went into some more details about calling fake field goals, fake punts, you know, just fakes in general. And the fact that they do have a couple devised each week, um, they have a couple ideas of when they might need to use them, depending on how aggressive or not aggressive certain teams are. So based off of film, they might use them or might, you know, deploy a couple fakes that they work on throughout the week. Also, depending on how the game flow is working, they might have an opportunity to do that. Ultimately, the Varwoods doesn't actually determine whether or not 
they're going to fake it. He just works with you know with uh, Kirk Ferentz to actually just you know pick out what fake is going to work. So I thought that was really interesting. Moving on to Phil Parker, he had a couple interesting things, specifically about Davian Nixon, just that he's very athletic, very energetic. He's a guy with a big motor, um, and he also said it's very it's, when he gets going, it's hard to block him, and he's he has a little bit of excitement to the things he's keeping things fresh, basically. So um, Davian Nixon, kind of an energetic player along the defensive line, something we've also noticed as well. He also gave a pretty funny story about Davian Nixon playing scout team quarterback, um, but I thought that was overall good. Um, he talked a little bit about the defense and just playing better in general. Um, he said you could tell the difference in the practice tempo and the energy that was coming out to practice after the Northwestern game. I think the last three weeks we've been practicing at a high level and I feel very confident in the guys and that the guys are going to go out and play hard. Might not play as clean. We didn't play as clean in the first two games, but I think these guys are all set on going out and giving their best effort and you can see it in practice. You see it in meetings. To me, that's part of the battle. Now, that is interesting because the defense has certainly picked it up the last two weeks. So, you know, it seems like from what Phil Parker's saying, he's seeing it on the field. He's seeing them bring a little bit more energy to the field. I personally think part of it was also just um, not having the ability to tackle um, as much in, you know, during preseason and the warm-up stuff getting into the actual season. Um, also, the fact that this team is kind of gelling together. I personally think it's a combination of that. Obviously, Phil Parker would know better, but... He's saying they're practicing better. I also think it is three, four weeks in the season, now five weeks in the season, and they're starting to gel as a unit better as well. We're seeing Phil Parker mix it up defensively. Um, again, against Minnesota, bringing that cover to man, um, that was something we don't traditionally see. Um, it's not typically a, 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 a caveat in Phil Parker's or, a, a, sorry, a, an opportunity that Phil Parker typically deploys. Um, he likes to play zone coverage. He mentioned that as well in his press conference. He also had glowing words to speak about Matt Hankins saying, Matt Hankins really up and beyond what I thought he would be at this time. He has been such a great leader to all the guys, not only in the secondary, but I think the team. And that goes to show, I mean, he's a captain now. Uh, Matt Hankins, we always talk about every year there's a cornerback that breaks out for the Iowa Hawkeyes. This is Matt Hankins' year. Um, obviously not having the big interception numbers per se, but um, really showing a lot um, to the coaches. And that goes a long way, especially when you get into the NFL. Um, he has a fringe prospect at this point. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he continues to develop and then if he gets opportunities to go to an all-star event and performs well maybe at Iowa's Pro Day. Um, that could get him an opportunity in the NFL. Moving on to Brian Ferentz, had a couple interesting things, specifically on the offensive line. We talked about this a couple days ago with some of our you know, metric breakdowns, but Koi Kronk hasn't performed well. And some of the other guys, Mark Kallenberger specifically, um, Cole Banwart, some of those guys have performed really well in replacement duty. And so he talked a little bit about the rotation there um, and the fact that they're going to continue to try to rotate once those guys get in, but also it's going to be very matchup related and health related. So to me, he's kind of leaving the door open to potentially not start some of the original starters, depending on how the game flow goes. He also said in regards to Spencer that he thinks Spencer has done a tremendous job of growing and maturing and becoming a better player, but obviously the circumstances haven't really helped him and they haven't helped any of the quarterbacks in the room. So they did bring up the fact that Alex Padilla, how has he looked and Deuce Hogan, how has he looked? And he basically said they're all struggling with the same issues due to the fact of not being able to play a lot with spring ball and whatnot. So I will say this. Um, I, I do think Spencer is getting a shorter and shorter leash. Uh, he has not played well, and Iowa cannot afford to have a quarterback play like that, especially when you get into a game like Penn State, which we're going to cover as one of our keys to winning this game. But I do think the leash is getting shorter. It'll be interesting to see um, what happens in this game against Penn State and whether or not Kirk and Brian decide to make a move ultimately. But it does sound like they understand that the circumstances were definitely up against them coming into this year. 
He also did the run game. Uh, you know, he's really proud of where the run game is, but a lot of that has to do with the wide receivers as well. And the fact they are doing a great job of finishing blocks, starting blocks and sustaining blocks. And he said, look at all of our explosive runs. It's all because our receivers are down the field, 14 to 50 yards down the field, making key blocks for those running backs. The final thing he did have to say was on the Wildcat, I thought this was great. You know, the fact that Iowa just wanted to add another wrinkle to their offensive play calling. And he said there's two things about the Wildcat that were intriguing to him. Um, one, he said, was snapping the ball to a guy that can run. He said, obviously, you're eliminating part of the operation, which is the passing game. But it does open a lot more items up in the read option game, the gap read, that kind of stuff. And he felt like, you know, with the quarterbacks they have on the roster, they're not exactly runners. So having a running back in there, now moving on to point two, is the fact that now you have an extra guy who can block um, for your offense, right? So, you're, you know, Tyler Goodson gets the ball as opposed to having nine blockers when Spencer Petras hands the ball off. You have ten blockers. So that is a huge advantage now for the offense, especially if they understand how that defense is going to come out. I do expect us to see more Wildcat and incorporate more, you know, wrinkles into the game. Mostly it's been a lot of um, Tyler Goodson just getting the ball and running as hard as he can, you know, doing some outside zone type of stuff. But I do expect them to incorporate more wrinkles going forward. That's what we learned, though, from some of the, you know, the press conferences from LeVar, from Brian, and from film obviously always great to get insight from them and not just Kirk Ferentz obviously I love hearing from Kirk Ferentz and listening to Kirk Ferentz's press conferences but always great to listen to the coordinators as well coming up though on segment number two we're going to break down this basketball schedule and we're going to announce a pretty cool thing we have coming up with this basketball team before we do that though I do have a message for you because if you're anything like me, you're constantly on the go. You're always moving. You're always doing something. When I'm not working, I'm either hanging out with my family, I'm working out, or I'm doing some fun things like hiking, you know, some big old mountains in Colorado. I live in Denver. One of my favorite pastimes is to hike up 14,000 foot mountains. That could be a hike of two to 3,000 feet at any given time. And one of the things I love to do, we bring a, you know, we bring a sandwich, we bring some chips, and we always bring ice cold Coors Light because there is nothing as refreshing as drinking an ice cold Coors Light at the top of a mountain over looking the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill, and it's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Just like I said, when you're on top of the mountains, nothing feels better than drinking an ice cold Coors Light just to wind down and relax after a nice grueling hike. Coors Light is the one I choose, though, and I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's right, have it delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Com. And as always, folks, remember to celebrate responsibly. This message is brought to you by Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are back for our second segment of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. And we finally got a freaking basketball schedule. It only took what seemed like forever. We finally have a basketball schedule for our top 10 ranked Iowa Hawkeye men's basketball team. And we learned a few things here. The biggest thing is what were the Big Ten matchups going to be. Uh, so let me break it down a little bit, just some of the things I noticed. But first off, let me tell you, that we do have former Iowa basketball player Bakari Evelyn joining us to do a full breakdown, not only of this team, 
but of the schedule, um, of the expectations coming in, we're going to have him on and we're going to be breaking it down and talking all about it next week. I'm likely dropping those episodes Monday, Tuesday, and possibly Wednesday. But now let's just do a little bit of a brief preview because it's pretty big deal that we finally got this basketball schedule. Iowa opens up with North Carolina Central on Wednesday. We'll be doing a breakdown of that game in more details on Wednesday, but uh, a nice opportunity to get a little bit of a warm-up game before taking on Southern University, another warm-up game. And that will be a big, you know, those two opportunities will be great to kind of gel this team together get some opportunities to see some of the younger guys, get everyone a little bit more informed before Iowa takes on number 16, North Carolina at Carver Hawkeye Arena. I am so bummed that we are not able to watch this game in person. It would be a doozy to watch Iowa play North Carolina. I have a lot of good friends who are North Carolina fans, and it would be a lot of fun to watch Iowa take on that team. Now, they get a few. They get another game, a couple games before they turn around and play Gonzaga December 19th. That is going to be a huge test. Iowa is going to have a fantastic opportunity to see what kind of team they're bringing to the table. We're going to know pretty quickly um, just how good this team can be. Can they live up to expectations? You're getting the number 16 team in the nation before getting the number one team in the nation. That is quite a non-conference test. The hard, Easily the most difficult of Fran McCaffrey's tenure. Two other things I noticed as well. This one was obvious. We knew this. I was not playing UNI. Um, UNI has a good squad this year, but a lot of UNI fans are being a little bit ridiculous. UNI is not coming to Iowa because they're not willing to do it, and that's on UNI. I don't think Iowa is saying, I don't want to play UNI because I'm scared. Anyone who says that clearly doesn't understand basketball. But anyways, the one thing that was really weird to me is that there was no Iowa State on the schedule. Now, when Fran McCaffrey talked to the press a couple weeks ago, he made mention that he thought Iowa was going to play Iowa State. So I don't know if there's something that we're missing here, but there is no Iowa State on the schedule, which is unfortunate. I do love that game, and I do think Iowa clearly has the best chance to win um, or easily is the, the favorite of coming into that game. It's unfortunate Iowa may not play Iowa State in basketball either this year, but it is what it is. Now, going on to the Big Ten schedule, it is different this year. It's a 20-game schedule. There are seven home and away games and six one game you know one one game games I guess I, I don't know how to say that out loud sorry six times where they six teams where they just play one game seven home and aways the home and aways are Wisconsin Rutgers Ohio State Michigan State Minnesota Indiana and Northwestern the one game series are Illinois Maryland Penn State Purdue Nebraska Michigan the first thing I have to say about this is holy hell Iowa has a tough schedule and you get Ranked Wisconsin, ranked Rutgers, ranked Ohio State, ranked Michigan State. You get them eight or two times each, so a total of eight times. That is not an easy thing. Now, that being said, why the hell are we only playing Illinois once? Are you freaking kidding me? Illinois is, I would say, the the second toughest team in the conference behind Iowa. Um, some would say they're the best team. I don't think so, but I think it is unfortunate for the Big Ten that they did not schedule Iowa versus Illinois twice. That is going to be a premier game. And it's unfortunate for Iowa because the only time they play them is on the road. Now, granted, there shouldn't be fans in the stands as far as I'm aware, but that still sucks that Iowa has to travel to Champaign to play Illinois. We don't get Illinois at home. And again, this is a very, very tough schedule. Not only does Iowa have a very tough non-conference schedule, but a very tough conference schedule as of right now. Right As of right now, they have... Let me see, nine games against ranked teams? Am I missing something here? I think I'm missing one. Oh, Michigan, sorry. Ten games against ranked teams. So that is not going to be easy. It's going to be a great test for Iowa. They're going to be battle-tested. Coming into the NCAA tournament, they have played a, a very tough schedule. Now, looking at the schedule, a few things kind of stand out to me. First, 
they open up the slate with a pretty easy schedule. They got Purdue, Minnesota, Northwestern. That should be a 3-0 start. It's going to be very key for Iowa to get off to a huge start and a big start because then they, their schedule starts getting a lot more difficult with all these ranked teams packed into the back, which is typically the Fran fade. So of the first nine games, they only have two ranked teams, Michigan State and Rutgers, not even the top of the ranked teams, right? I mean, Michigan State's always a solid team. Rutgers has a ton of length and size. That's always a tough game for Iowa, but it is very important for Iowa to get out to a 7 and 2 start if not a 9 and 0. I mean, expectations they should be they should be favored in every single game of those first 9 games. Um, honestly, anything less than 8 and 1 to me is a disappointment, which means they likely either blew a game that they shouldn't have or they lost to Michigan State or Rutgers. I think 8 and 1 is kind of where we're sitting at here before they get Illinois on 5-day rest and that's where they start getting into that tough slate of games and especially the end of the season. They get Ohio State, Michigan and then followed up with Wisconsin to end the season especially considering that Fran McCaffrey's teams have historically, I, you know, I hate to bring it up, but Fran McCaffrey's teams are a little, they struggle at the end of the year. And you can talk about this, the teams being tired, teams being exhausted, but it is predominantly more common with a Fran McCaffrey team than you see with other teams. This is not a every team fades in February. Otherwise you wouldn't have the February fade, right? I mean, that just, it's, mathematically not possible and Iowa has historically struggled in February and at the end of the season under Fran McCaffrey that is going to be put to the test this year as they get a very tough end of season schedule that will do it though for our our breakdown of the basketball schedule a very quick breakdown um as I said we have Bakari Evelyn coming on next week stay tuned for that as we do a full breakdown and preview of the Iowa basketball season I don't want to touch on too much of the stuff that I have Bakari coming on for I you know I realized after all the feedback you really love Matt Vandenberg coming on I thought it'd be awesome to get an Iowa basketball player that can speak to some of these things even better especially one who played with them last year so that's why we have Bakari Evelyn coming on make sure to check that out next week coming up on segment number three we're going to get into the betting lines and the three key reasons or three key excuse me, the three keys to Iowa winning this game. That'll all be coming up on segment number three. Before we get into that though, sometimes you just need something to pick you up, right? I mean, for me, uh, I'll be, you know, working out throughout the day. I'll be, you know, working. I do a podcast. I hang out with my family. As I talked about the Coors Light, you know, sometimes you see a chance to chill. Sometimes you need something to get you through the day though. For me, I love working out and there's no better way to finish off a workout than grabbing a Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It is a candy bar that tastes like a protein bar. I love the taste and the flavor of this. They come in 18 fantastic flavors and they even have a couple seasonal flavors like pumpkin chocolate chip, which is absolutely my favorite. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. Now, not only do they pack a punch in the health or the flavor department, the health department are they're even better. One of my other favorite flavors is cookies and cream. Now listen to this stat line of the Built Bar. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Why wouldn't you choose this? It tastes just as good as a candy bar and is also super good for you. There's not a lot of things that are really that delicious that also are that good for you. I'm not a fruit and veggie guy, so don't hate me on that. But you got to try Built Bar. So right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We are back for our third and our final segment of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes and the Locked On Sports Network. If you're loving the content, please make sure to give us that five-star review and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and make sure to subscribe wherever you downloaded this podcast at. But for now, let's hop into 
Game time notes. So Iowa takes on Penn State tomorrow. Right now, Iowa's favored by 2.5 points. They opened at 2.5. They've stayed at 2.5 with 56% of the money going towards Iowa to cover that spread. The over-under is at 47 with 54% of it going to the under. I think that's a good play. And money line is 68% going Iowa's favor. ESPN has Iowa's a 55.6% favorite. The weather's going to be pretty solid. 54 degrees in University Park. A 24% chance of rain, um, you know, with it being a little bit out, I'm not, it's not worth saying when that rain is going to be. And if there is going to be uh, a heavy doses of rain, we'll make sure to break that down over Twitter and on Facebook. But that is the stat line for that. Personally, I do believe that under is probably going to be hit. Iowa and Penn State has always been a very low-scoring game. Um, you know, I'm not even talking about that 6-4 to four game. Iowa-Penn State is just a very low-scoring game. But let's get into the keys to winning this game before I give you my prediction. The first one, and I know this might seem pretty common, but Spencer Petrus has to get going. Petrus, sorry. Spencer Petrus has to get going. They have not gotten a lot out of him, and honestly, he's been holding them back. I've talked about this so many times, but I believe if he can complete passes consistently against Northwestern and Purdue, they win those games just consistently. Right. I mean, he's the, I mean, I don't want to blame it on one guy because a lot of guys made mistakes, but he struggled in both those games too. And it, it, it hurt them now against Minnesota. It didn't matter because their running game was so strong. Um, you know that it just didn't matter in, in that game against Michigan state. It doesn't matter because Michigan state is terrible, but against Penn state, especially a Penn state team that is doing pretty well at stopping the run. I believe we talked about it yesterday as, and far as, as far as stats go, Penn state is doing pretty darn good stopping the run. So the rush defense is 39th in NCAA, only allowing 129.5 yards per game. Now that's not, again, 39th is not top of the line, but Penn State is still a strong team. And if I'm Penn State, what I'm doing is loading the box and forcing Spencer Petras to beat you through the air. That's why Spencer Petras has to get going. If we want to win this game, and I know I know Penn State is 0-4, but they're a good team. They are a lot better than any any other 0-4 team out there. They're better than a lot of 2-2 two two teams That and from a talent perspective-wise. So Spencer Petras needs to get going. He needs to find Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset. He, and he needs to continue his development. To, I mean, he's, we've seen strides in him taking a lot off on the short and intermediate passing game, but we need to see the accuracy get a little bit better. We need to be able to see him handle pressure a lot better. We talked about it on Wednesday. He's terrible at handling pressure. He's, I think he's completing 40% of his passes when under pressure. That is not good. That's abysmal. He needs to do better. Now, on the flip side, Iowa needs to do exactly what Penn State should do to Spencer Petras. They need to put pressure on Sean Clifford. Now, he's struggled this year. He's not doing well after having a really good season last year. And he also has the threat of running the ball. So, the reason why you want to put pressure on Sean Clifford, he has not done a great job of uh, holding on to the ball and maintaining possession of that football. He's gotten sloppy with it. He tries to do too much. If you put pressure on him, it's going to force him to think faster, make decisions quicker, just like we did against Tanner Morgan. And especially now... As we saw against Minnesota, Iowa was blitzing some guys. They were manning up. That opens up a new wrinkle that Penn State has to worry about. And the fact that Penn State just doesn't have as good of athletes as they have in the past, at least developed athletes, I should say. They don't have a KJ Hamler by any means, right? So it gives Iowa a little bit more flexibility with doing some more man coverage looks and also blitzing some more guys to put that pressure on Sean Clifford. Now, that being said, when you put pressure on Sean Clifford, you need to have some contain in there as well. He's done a pretty solid job of not necessarily burning us, but just finding ways to extend plays and extend drives with his legs, just as Trace McSorley did. Last year, Sean Clifford had 52 rushing yards. The year prior, Trace McSorley had 63. The year before that, 61. 
We need to be able to stop him from scrambling and getting those first downs, and we need to force him to make mistakes. As we talked about earlier in the week, Penn State is one of the sloppiest teams in the NCAA with the football. And again, we want to put pressure on him. And the third key to winning, and this kind of goes hand in hand, but force them to pass. Penn State loves to run the ball traditionally. That has been what burnt us before, is running the football. They've had some really great backs. Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Journey Brown. Journey Brown's gone, though, and they're breaking in some new guys, and they're starting to get a little bit better. But without that running game, it puts even more pressure on Sean Clifford. So if you're loading the box, just like they, just like Penn State should do against Iowa. I mean, this is basically just flipping the script, right? You need to load the box, put some pressure on them, and force them to pass the ball. Iowa has done a fantastic job of forcing turnovers, being in the right place at the right time. That's really been the talk of the town the last couple of days. And the Penn State Nittany Lions have done a terrible job of, of not turning the ball over. So... That is a, a match made in heaven for Iowa if they're looking to create turnovers, especially when you're on the road. You want to create turnovers, get the ball in good field position for your offense that has struggled passing the ball. Get Spencer Petra some easy throws, some easy opportunities, and that's, to me, the key to winning the game. I think it starts, though, with Spencer Petras. If he can get going, Iowa wins this game. Now, again, we talked about the fact that Iowa is favored by 2.5 points, and I have not, to, to be completely fair, call a spade a spade. I have sucked at calling the over-unders and the spreads the last couple weeks um, against Minnesota. I said it was going to be, that you know, Minnesota was going to be closer, you know, covering the spread, excuse me, of the, I believe it was seven-point spread. But I was wrong, clearly. I own up to that. That being said, I, I will take Iowa to cover the spread. Now, I don't think it's going to be a big spread or a big margin of victory. I'd say under seven points, but I do believe they cover the two and a half, and I do take the under of 47. This, these games are always just a little bit sloppy. Now, Penn State's secondary isn't very good, and if Spencer Petras does break out, that could spell some really bad things for Penn State, especially if Iowa's able to force some turnovers. So there's some possibilities here where this, you know, the over might be hit simply because Iowa is scoring so many points. Or Penn State, I guess. I don't believe Penn State's offense has the firepower to to really put up a lot of points on Iowa's defense. But there is a chance, you know, that um, if Iowa does have things click, especially with Spencer Petras, that Iowa could, because of Iowa, get to that 47 over under. But I do believe pretty firmly that this is going to be under 47. I'm I'm betting on that under 47. And I already took Iowa over two and a half. Um, and again, it doesn't seem like the spread is going to move a lot. A lot of the money's kind of going both ways. So I do believe it's going to stick at that two and a half mark. I'm taking two and a half and under 47. I believe Iowa wins by between three and seven in this game. That is my prediction. Let me know your prediction on my Twitter account. Feel free to at me, whatever it may, you know, whatever it may be, whatever your means of communication is, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, let me know what your thoughts are on this line and what you're going to be betting on or what you think Iowa is going to do in this game. That does wrap it up though for our third and our final segment and ultimately our show this Friday morning. Please stay tuned. Come back on Sunday for our Locked On Hawkeyes podcast as we cover the previous week's game, that Saturday game versus Penn State with Matt Vandenberg. And again, we have an awesome basketball preview coming up next week as well. And we're going to be pumping out content every single day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and even Thursday. No show Friday, but we're going to have shows the first five days of the week, starting with Sunday and even on Thanksgiving as you're driving to see I guess you can't really drive to see your family a ton, but either way, you have an opportunity to listen to the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast that Thursday morning. As always, Hawkeye Nation, I appreciate you tuning in so much. Thank you for the listenership. Have a fantastic Friday and a fantastic weekend, and as always, let's go Hawks.